0: couple things going on this week um today after at two o'clock we'll be or actually at 1 we'll be meeting at those of you who are interested we'll be meeting at the courthouse for a uh, life chain that's today from two to three o'clock One forty-five, we hand out signs and pray and kind of get a uh i give you a little information about it and what we do and it's just a, a silent protest against abortion um it's happening all over the country today uh rain or shine and uh it's a, it's a time where you're just quiet, and you pray, and you hold a sign. There's no confrontation. There's no arguing with anybody. Um, I don't know what they'll do, but um, you stand quietly and pray. It's between you and the Lord. That's a silent witness against it. Um, and then we go home, and, and that's it, and we stand up for righteousness. And so that'll be today uh, at 145 at the Nottaway County Courthouse in the front there. Uh, that's where we meet and pray. Um, then also, uh, we do have prayer. Uh, the last Saturday of every month, we just had ours uh, recently, and then uh, this obviously we'll have another one coming up here. Harvest party, we're getting geared up for that, thinking the things we're going to do. We're not going to probably do as many inflatables this year. Um, we're going to do more of a because it's a it's like it's gonna start like five, so um, it's hard to spend all that money to rent it for two or three hours as opposed to a whole day when it's like on a Saturday or something. So um, we're going to do more family stuff and and competitions and weenie roasts and food and cakewalks still and all that stuff, but. Uh, as far as the expense goes, we're going to try to cut back a little bit this year. Um, uh, when our guest speaker came on Wednesdays, so those of you who are here understand how great it was and how, what a blessing it was. Uh, the Spirit just really moved. And I, and I know many of you got the email, but um, that night before everybody left, we'd come up with the 5000 for the school that just happened. And so I want to thank you guys for paying attention to the Holy Spirit and His leading. Um, and we went beyond that then afterwards. It went to 6000 that night um, online. And so um, we wrote her a check for 6000 for their school. Um, it was a blessing to be able to do that. Um, now, for anything that continues to come in for that, um, we're going to give that to Hear My Ministries. That's David Spencer's ministry that he has over in Africa, because that's how we got in contact with her and all, and want to make sure that they have what they need as well. Um, there's different things that they do over there, but the most recent thing is the school of ministry that they want to do over there. It's a vocational, but it's also a Bible college at the same time. And so they're learning both um, uh, and, and they're, and they're going to grow and hopefully send out pastors and, and so on. So he's getting that going. Um, and he's going to share next Sunday on that. Uh, like she shared on Wednesday, she's, he's going to share next Sunday a little bit about what's going on there. All right, uh, so that's what's happening. We will uh, be today in Joshua, Chapters uh, uh, 20, 21, and 22, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Joshua 20, 21, and 22. We'll spend most of the morning on 22. Um, So I'll get through these first two chapters rather quickly. Um, And let's pray before we get started. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to read it and to study and to grow and to learn some of the details. um, Some of this gives us some historical background, um, solidifies some things that we learned in the past, and we'll learn new things. So open our hearts and our ears and our eyes to everything that you have for us. Um, As we look at their life with you, their walk with you, help us to see what you're trying to teach us in our walk, in our life with you. And help us to learn. Um, These things you said were written for our admonition. Their life story is laid naked before us, uh, good, bad, and ugly, um, so that we can learn not to walk in some of their ways, but to also walk in some of their ways as they were obedient to you. And so God, help us to take heed this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 20 is the city of refuge. They're going to name those cities. They finally conquered the land, pretty much. They've divided it up anyway. Um, And they're going to start placing the cities of refuge. Um, If we remember what those were, those are the places where if a manslayer uh, was accused, he could run or she could run to one of these cities quickly uh, and get a trial, a fair trial there, before they got attacked by the avenger of blood. Kind of a weird uh, cultural situation back then. Um, A lot, very much Wild West-ish, if you know what I mean, Uh, um, vengeance and and all. Um, And so there was an opportunity for them to go to these cities. And once they got into one of these sanctuary cities, um, these cities of refuge, they could sit there and wait and be judged properly. Now, it doesn't mean they're off. It doesn't mean if they make it there, it's like base. It just means that, well, the avenger blood's got to wait until the trial's over before he or she does what they need to do. Um, and that's, that's how they did the death penalty back then. It, you were the one to cast the stone. <laughs> you were the one to initiate it. There wasn't a group or someone over there to flip the switch. There's no volunteers. You were a part of um, the, 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 the slaying of the, of the murderer. And so um, the avenger of blood is chasing them, and you got to get there. And so these are these cities. They're going to scatter them, so they're uh, about, a, about a half day's run. So you better be in shape kind of thing. We talked about that before when we covered this. But this is the actual laying out. Now, what I want to focus on here is the names of the cities. Uh, the first one is uh, in verse 7 uh, of chapter 20, Kadesh, and that means holy one. It means holy one. The second one is Shechem, and that means shoulder. Kind of a funny name, shoulder. Probably in the mountains somewhat, obviously, but um, it means shoulder. And then there's Hebron, which means fellowship. And then there's Bezier, which is fortification. And then Ramoth, or Ramoth is exaltation, and finally, Golan, which is rejoicing. And if you look at all those names of those cities and putting them all together, you really see a good picture of Jesus. He is our city of refuge. He's the one we run to in our time of trouble. He's the one that gives us a fair trial. Now, it doesn't mean that we're off, but when we stand before the judge, we have an advocate. And not only is our refuge, of, our city of refuge, he's also our justification in front of that judge so that we do have um, we are sinless before the Lord. And so we can see that God is the Holy One. Jesus is the Holy One. He's the shoulder, the government be upon his shoulders. And fellowship, he is the reason why we have fellowship with God. Jesus came to bring peace between God and man. We have that fellowship. He's our fortification. He's our stronghold. He's a place of protection for us. He's, in the, he's exaltation. We exalt the Lord. And he exalts us. He he, uh, he brings low the haughty and he, and he exalts the lowly, and that's what he does for us. And then go on rejoicing; we rejoice in God our salvation. And So we see that here in all these cities of refuge. So quite a picture here. Um, uh, chapter twenty-one is a little different. These are the cities of the Levites. They're going to finally name off all these, and there's a lot of them. Um, there's forty-eight of these cities, and I'm not going to read every place that they plant them. You can do that on your own if you want to map them out. It's kind of interesting, actually. I'll give you a clue. Uh, or something that you might find if you actually take the nation and you begin to put little pen dots or whatever where all these cities are located, you'll find a real hard concentration of cities right around Jerusalem. Now, God hasn't named Jerusalem yet as the place where he's going to rest his temple or tabernacle. Remember, they're still searching around for that. They've just conquered the land. But all of a sudden, as they lay out these these, uh, Levitical cities, um, they're going to see there's a, 13 cities right around Jerusalem. You can, he's like foreshadowing what he's going to do there. He's kind of saying, this is I'm focusing in. Now. now, the rest are scattered like stars, you know, but then right there you've got a cluster of 13. It's like, oh, interesting. I don't know if there's a, a reason behind that and all, all, but if you do that on a map, you'll see that. Now, what are the Levitical cities? Really quick. The Levitical cities is where the tribe of Levi, uh, that's where they get to dwell. Places. They, these were the priests. They weren't allowed to have a, a section of or a, a location. Um, the priests didn't get uh, a place where they could call with boundaries their land. They would live in these cities scattered throughout all the other territories, all the other tribes for a reason. The priests needed to be scattered, available, touchable, reachable. You know, They had to be there. They didn't get to say, this is my safe space. You know, These are my boundaries. No one can come in with these. They were scattered throughout. Um, and they would have these cities and they would have the outlying areas of these cities also for all their cattle. So they could own stuff, but, but they weren't supposed to be farmers and planting and, and, and they weren't supposed to do, do all these things. They were supposed to be focused on, you know, serving the Lord and all. And so um, they were able to have property, but uh, their cities were meant to be scattered so that everybody, you know, when you'd see the Levitical city, it kind of reminds you, although you wouldn't see Jerusalem every day, where the tabernacle was or the temple, you'd see that Levitical city and be like, oh yeah, God, You know, always a reminder, a very present uh, understanding that God is always there. And of course, the picture here obviously is of us. Uh, we're called kings and priests and God's got us scattered everywhere. We congregate here on a Sunday or on a Wednesday and we worship, but he definitely doesn't want us to just stay here. We don't put up wire and you know towers and everything and keep all the sinners out because we want to, no, this is a place where we kind of get excited for the Lord. We worship the Lord together. It's good for the brethren to worship God together, but then he sends us out. And you'll know it, and you know it, that wherever you go, there's just that presence of God. And people know that about you, you know? Um, if If you are walking with Jesus, and you're a solid Christian, and you have a good testimony in your workplace, people know where to go when they need prayer. People see you, and they think differently. They talk differently. They act differently around you. It's just something that we do. We're we keep back the rot, um, the things that are trying to creep into this world. And this world tries to, Satan is trying to ruin this world. Wherever God puts us, we're like, um, we discussed this, a fountain of living water. And it makes that dry desert place living again. And, 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 and that's how God uses us. And so this p- picture here is very clear. We're like these Levitical cities scattered throughout the land. Um, in, the, in the end of this chapter, uh, verse 43 of 21, I want to read this. After the 48 cities are named, 13 of which are around Jerusalem. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel." All came to pass. God is faithful to keep his word. He always keeps his word. And that's something we trust in and we hope in. Um, Sometimes you'll get the question as a Christian, I'm not sure I'm saved. Or you may even ask that question. I guess I don't know. Um, Sometimes I wonder if I'm saved. We don't go by feelings. And that's really important that as Christians, we do have feelings and that's nice when they're there but we don't go by feelings. We go by God's word. God's word says that I'm saved. God's word says that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. My believing that is a fact that I'm saved. Whether I feel saved or not makes no difference at all. It's the fact that God's word says so. I have to believe him at his word. He he reiterates this over and over again through the scriptures, I keep my word. Jesus had to tell them that if I go away, it's for your benefit, it's good. Because if I go away, I'm going to come back. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I'm preparing a place for you, I'm certainly going to bring you to it. And that was a promise from him. He wanted us guys to be reassured that although I'm not going to be in your presence leading you around wherever I go, like we have for the three years that we've been together, I'm going away, but that doesn't mean this is over. I'm just getting the place ready for you. And if I'm telling you that I'm getting you a house ready, that means I'm going to take you to that house. That's a promise from God. We need to hold on to that promise. Satan wants to fill us with doubt. Satan will whisper that in your ear. I don't know. You know, you sure don't act saved. There are days when we don't act saved. I understand that. And we should understand that about ourselves. The flesh is very present. Paul struggled with that daily. We struggle with that. We don't know why we sin. Why do we do the things we don't want to do and the things we want to do, we don't do? Why is that? Had a conversation with a man last Sunday. And uh, it was a great conversation. It's the beginning of ministry for me with this guy. Um, And God will give me those times. Sometimes it's a group like this. Sometimes it's a one-on-one situation. I allow God to do that. I had a wonderful conversation with him. And he leaned over to me and he says, I got a lot of problems. I said, buddy, you're in the right place because I got a lot of problems too. We all have got a lot of problems. That's why we're here. He goes, I just can't kick it. I can't quit. I can't stop. I said, it's not your job to stop. It's your job to put yourself in the presence of God continually. Don't leave his presence. So let him wash you. Let him cleanse you. Let him work these things out of you. Let him change your heart. Let him give you a new mind. You know, it wasn't that flowery, and it wasn't that enthusiastic. It was a quiet, subtle conversation, but that was the gist of the conversation. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. He said that at the end. As he, Susie, after I, that, that was the important part of that story is after I said that to him, he goes, I love God. I do love God. I said, and he knows that. He goes, I just can't stop. I said, well, <laughs> that's where you go. You know, you go to get fixed. You, you, sit, in, you sit in the presence of God's word and, and hear it and read it and begin to absorb it. And then you start to obey. I and mean, there is that. But you can't do it unless you get in his presence and all. And so Guys, we all struggle with that sometimes. We're not so sure where we stand on different days. Do you love God? You know, and, and time you ask somebody, when somebody asks me that, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I just ask them, well, do you love God? Well, yeah, I love God. And you can see the enthusiasm and the heartbreak in their voice. Well, yeah, I love God. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Because that's the spirit witnessing from you to God. Of course I love God. Of course I want to spend forever with God. Of course I love him. And I hate the things I do. Good. That's repentance. That's, that's it. That's understanding that you need a Savior and, and you've trusted in Jesus. Now, that's the key. You have to trust in Jesus. Somewhere along the line, in that little conversation you're having in your head, we get the idea that my behavior shows whether I'm saved or not or what I'm doing gets me saved. You don't lose your salvation just because you fall back into sin. No. No. If you renounce Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and dive back into sin willingly and saying, forget God, I want to just live it up now, then you've got an issue. But that stumbling and that falling, that is a child learning to walk. That's a child learning to run. That's anybody. Um, I like watching football games, professional football games. When they used to be outside, remember that? There weren't any domes in the snow. Those guys look like a bunch of bumbling idiots out there. And they were pros. Slipping and sliding and skin. the ball was fumbled 12 or 13 times in one play, just going from person to person and blogging and watching this. And it was comical, fun to watch. They weren't having any fun. They felt stupid too. They felt dumb. I'm a pro. I ought to have my cleats should be digging in. The mud was too deep. It was way past the depth of your cleat. You couldn't grab it. Even the pros look stupid sometimes and look like they're fumbling the ball. Depends on the weather a lot of times. Depends on the weather. You've got to trust God. You've got to believe Him at His word. He says, I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to keep my word. Now chapter 22 is where I want to spend most of the morning here. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So we're done conquering. And they're going to send these two and a half tribes back over to the other side of the Jordan. It's time to go. So this is their farewell. And so Joshua says to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord, your God. And now the Lord, your God, has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now, therefore, return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan, but... Take careful heed to do the commandments and the law which which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. And here's what those commandments are To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Remember, these are just the men, though. All the women and the children are still back on the other side, and some of the elderly. They're on the other side. And God said, no, I don't, you don't have to all go. I just want the, your men of war to go. And so the men of war are the ones getting this. He's telling them, now you go back there and I want you to stay close to God. That's their biggest fear. <laughs> stay close to God, by the way. Please stay close to God. Don't walk away from God. Stay close to God. And that's what we tell each other, hopefully. Stay close. We tell our kids when they leave the house, stay close to God. I mean, I'm pretty sure you were coming to church all these times because you wanted to come to church, but now that I'm not around to make sure you get in the car every morning, have a good time in college, be sure to go to church. Stay close to God. Why do we say that? Because we don't want them to fall. We know what happens when you don't stay close to God. We know what happens when you walk away from that situation, when you walk away from the presence of God's people, when you become isolated and alone. They're worried. You're going on the other side of the Jordan. We're not going to see each other. Not that... We're all visiting each other every day on the east side of the Jordan, but on the west side, we don't know how long it's going to be before we see you again or spend time with you again, you know? Stay close to God, he says. He does acknowledge the fact here before we move on that God did give him that land. It was a permissible thing by the Lord. And he said that through Moses, and he he tells us that. um, He says it there in verse 4. Go back to the tents, the land of your possession, which Moses, the servants of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. We know that that's from God. You can have that. Now, those ten tribes, you know, nine and a half, or they are actually ten tribes, ten and a half on this side, two and a half on the other, yeah, the other way around, nine and a half and and two and a half. Uh, These nine and a half have kind of the same attitude I have about the two and a half, It's like, I don't think that's the best for you. I don't think that's where you should be. I think you're supposed to be over here in the land of Canaan. I don't think you're supposed to be over there, but God's given it to you, and there's like a permission there. But there's also a skepticism there, and I have that, and I don't know whether it's right or wrong. I just know that if it was me, I would not want to be on the west side of the Jordan, that I would want the clan of the Dirks to be all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, I I want to be as far into the land as I could possibly be. That's where I'd want to be, personally. And so you kind of wonder about these guys. And I have a feeling they have that because we're going to see a challenge here in, in verse 10 because of this attitude, because they're not so sure. And we see this plea, please stay with God. Now, here's what happens. Verse 7, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan. But to the other half of it, Joshua gave a possession among their brethren on this side of the Jordan. So remember, that's that one tribe that got possession on both sides. You can look at your Bible map. Okay, they got possession on the east side of the Jordan and on the west side, however you guys are looking at it. They get a little bit of each. And he mentions that here. When Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and spoke to them saying, return with much riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. Those are the ones that are left on the other side. In other words, when you guys go back as warriors with all that stuff, don't be keeping it to yourself thinking, well, we went over there and fought. You guys didn't. No, when you get over there, it's for everybody. Spread it out because they took care of your tents while you were gone. This is similar to another story we'll read later on, but I want you to make sure you spread it out and let them have a portion of it. So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel uh, at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word uh, of the Lord by the hand of Moses. So they did. Goodbye. Now here's where the controversy begins. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh Built an altar there by the Jordan, so they haven't crossed yet. They're still in the uh, they're on the east side of the or on the west side of the Jordan, right? Um, and they build an altar right before they cross over the Jordan. This is going to be a problem. A great, impressive altar. So this is bigger than normal altering. I don't know what the other altar looked like, but remember it was stone. There wasn't any tooling on it at all. It was meant to be natural and all. This is a great and impressive altar. Mmm, nice altar, you know, kind of thing. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, man, underline that. They heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. dum boom, boom, you know, said the gossip. And when the children of Israel heard of it, there's more hearing. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. They're going to go fight them. They're going to go kill them. Hey, goodbye. Hey, thanks for saving us. Thanks for coming over here and fighting with us. God's blessed you. Take your stuff and go. Be at peace. Let's go kill them. We heard something about you guys. They already are embattled and ready. I mean, they're already ready. They're they're gathering their gear. They're assembling at Shiloh. No one's talked to them yet. No one's asked them a single question yet. It's It's just ready, fire, aim. Okay, with these guys. Guys, we have to be so careful about this. But but I heard. D- didn't you hear? I heard. Did you hear about that? If you didn't, let me be the one to tell you what I heard. And it just goes from person to person. And nobody's talked to this person yet. By the time anybody gets enough guts up to go talk to the person themselves, they've already got swords drawn. And they're ready to go to battle and to go against war with them. That's so hurtful. It's so harmful. And they're going to look foolish. So let's go to war, they said. Verse 13. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, to the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh into the land of Gilead. And with him ten rulers, one ruler from each from the the chief house of every tribe of Israel. Uh, And each one was the head of the house of his fathers among the divisions of Israel. Now they're going to send a delegation. Everybody get ready for war. Okay, you guys go over there and talk to them about this, see what's going on. They've already decided, haven't they? They've already made a judgment. And they haven't even heard what's going on yet. So they send these guys over. And because they go in without having any idea what's going on, but they already have an idea of what's going on, they've made it up in their minds, they just, it's got to be this, we've come to a conclusion. They come in and ask the wrong questions. Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, and to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What treachery is this, that you have committed against the God of Israel, to turn away this day from following the Lord, and that you have built for yourselves an altar, that you might rebel this day against the Lord. Is the, is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us, from which we are not, and they're talking about Balak and Balaam, remember that whole story? Well, if you don't, go back to it. But they're saying, wasn't that enough for you guys? Well, they were in it on it too. Well, they, don't, they don't remember that part. But don't, don't you remember that time when God killed us all or was trying to kill us all because of our sin with, with, uh, with Balaam and Balak and that whole story? Isn't that enough with you guys? Although there was a plague, so they're bringing up past situations, plague in the congregation of the, of the Lord, but that you must turn away this day from following the Lord? And it shall be, if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the the possession of the Lord. Get on the right side of the Jordan, where the the Lord's tabernacle stands. This is where the real worship happens, over here. And take possession among us, but do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us by building yourselves an altar besides the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, here's another past, did not Achan the son of Zerah commit a trespass and an accursed thing and wrath fell on the congregation of Israel and that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. What should they have asked? What are you guys building? Real simple. What's What's with the altar? I mean, you could have maybe some thoughts in the back of your mind like, I don't think we're supposed to build more than one altar. That's fine to have that thought, but give these guys a bit. You just told them to stay close to God. Do you think they walked two days away from you and said, you know, I've had enough of walking with God. Let's build an altar over here and serve another God. Probably not. It takes a little bit longer for someone to switch sides. All they had to do was say, hey, what are you you building? Or why are you building? See, the scripture gives us lots of wonderful insight in the New Testament. It tells us that love believes all things. Love believes all things. Without love, you got a lot of problems. You got a lot of questions that come up. You got a lot of um, vain imaginations, we call them in the Bible. The Bible calls them vain imaginations. And what that is, is where you're having this conversation in your head, but the other person's not included. Well, they're gonna say this, and I'm gonna say that, and they're gonna do this. And some of you might even have that. Might- My daughter, I'll give you an example, funny story to kind of lighten it up a little bit, but Anna, she's not here, so we'll pick on her. She says, Dad, does your mind ever wander during the sermon? I said, well, that's not fair. I'm giving the sermon, you know. (laughs) But yes, it does sometimes, and you can recognize it. She goes, well, mine does. Is that okay? I said, well, no, I'd rather you not wander off too far. So, so sometimes I think about people coming in the door and I'd be like a ninja and I'd start, start describing how she'd take all these people out. They're coming here out and do this and that. And I'm like, okay, Anna. So watch out for Anna. I mean, I'm telling you. But she has this imagination going on in her mind, this whole thing that's happening. They're gonna come in the door and then I'm gonna come like this, and I'm like that, I'm gonna jump over the chairs. You know, and she's got this thing in her head. And that can get us into a lot of trouble when we have these conversations with them, and they're not able to defend themselves or even give an explanation but we already know what the answer is going to be now i've picked on i picked on them because they didn't come with the right question they should have just asked what was going on but i will also pick on the two and a half tribes wouldn't it have been nice for them to tell people ahead of time what they're doing knowing that they've got a past problem with people walking away from the lord i mean for if we spent 40 years in the wilderness for rebellion and these two stories that you brought up, wouldn't it have been nice if they said, hey, by the way, we're going to build an altar, but it's not what you think. Well, thanks for letting us know. because I, I, you know, We can alleviate a lot of people's worries, concerns, and vain imaginations because they're weak people, just like we are, by just communicating with them a little bit and telling them ahead of time you know, what we're about to do. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Here's what I'm going to do, and it's not because of anything. You got to be careful with that. (laughs) I don't want you to think bad of me. You think I'd think bad of you? You know, you can get into problems with that too, but it it doesn't hurt to let people know what's going on. It could have helped a lot. But God tells us in Corinthians, love believes all things. He watches over it. He he gives us, if we go with the benefit of giving people the benefit of the doubt, a lot of unnecessary confrontations can be avoided. They really can be. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Love believes all things. Well, I'm sure that's not what they meant. That can't be true. That just doesn't seem like them or, or whatever. And even if it does seem like them, I didn't hear that. That's just hearsay. That's just rumor. That's I don't know. I'm just going to go ask. I'm just going to talk to them. I'm going to call them. You know. Love believes all things. On the other hand, if that love is not there, and this is where we run into trouble. And this is where we've got to check our hearts. If my love isn't there for somebody, I will hope that it's true. I don't like them anyway. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that's, I just, you know, that's why I didn't like them. I wasn't sure why I didn't like them, but that's why I didn't like them. Because of what they just did right there. You didn't do anything. You just heard it. We've got to be careful about our hearts. We've got to guard our hearts against this. These accusations. James chapter one, verse 19 tells us three things and I'm not gonna read, you can read the verse on your own. It tells us be quick to hear. He wants us to be slow slow to speak. But then he also says slow to anger. Get to anger slowly. Maybe that's a soft spot for you. Maybe that's a point of contention. Maybe that's something God works on with you and is working on with you. learn to be a person that's slow to anger, not quick to anger, slow to anger. And he gives us the the prescription for that. Be quick to hear before you make any judgments about things. Let me hear the whole story. Let me understand everything about this so so I know um, what's going on before I make a rash decision or or look foolish. Um, Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We'd save ourselves a lot of headaches and a lot of problems, you know? So, um, didn't, that man, didn't, didn't he perish? He, didn't, he was the only one that died, you know? A lot of people got hurt. You're gonna get us in trouble, is what they're saying. So there's no love for them. We, we, if you guys wanna build a false altar, do it on your own time, but he's gonna get mad at all of us, you know, if you guys do something. Then the children of Reuben, and here's their response. And thank goodness they had a level head. Thank goodness they were humble. Thank goodness their motives were pure. And thank goodness they had a love for the other tribes. And so this is the other side. If you are a person who's received that kind of accusation from somebody, it it isn't fair and it doesn't feel right, does it? But here's your lesson this morning. Respond like these guys do to it. Um, This is the whole proverb of heaping hot coals upon someone's head. Um, And I'll explain that in a little bit. It's not getting back at them. It's not vengeance. It's not hoping that their head gets burnt. I'll explain that in a minute. It's hot coals upon their head. Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knows. God knows my heart. And let Israel itself know. I hope you guys know now. If it is in rebellion, or if in treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. Feel free. Wipe us out if this is rebellion. If we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings, or or if to offer peace offerings on it, let the Lord himself require an account. But in fact, we have not. we We have done it for fear. For a reason saying, in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us. You children of Reuben and the children of Gad, you have no part in the Lord. So your descendants would make our descendants cease fearing the Lord. Now what caused them to want to build this memorial altar, which is all it is? The two things, fear and a reason. Fear and a reason. No, 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 we were just building this because we were afraid you'd forget that we were your brethren. You might say later on, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, that we're not a part of you because we're not on the right side of the Jordan, that God's put this barrier between us, and that's not true. So we want to build this altar. So you guys remember, we're over here too. You know, We're we're not leftovers. And so they acted out of fear. What brought that fear on? Probably Joshua's admonition when he sent them away. Okay, you guys, thanks for coming over here and fighting. Go back to the land you came from. That's great, but don't forget to follow God. And you could see all nine tribes going, yeah, don't forget to follow God. We know you guys, you know, wrong side of the Jordan guys. Hey, we're the right side. We love you guys. We just, you know, build an altar. Let them know, you know, they don't know what to do. There's a lot of junk going on here. How about just giving us a hug? Man, this is great. This is great. Guys, go back in peace. Be blessed. We'll see you at the five feasts, right? Or the feasts that we're supposed to, the three feasts every year. We'll see you then. Well, we're going to miss you. That kind of greeting is like, yeah, we're going to miss you too. That's what, you know, pulls people together. There's a lot going on here. We can learn a lot from this as far as our relationship with each other in the church, in the body of Christ. For fear and For reason. We, might, we were afraid you guys might reject us. Therefore, we said, let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burning offering nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us, that we may perform the service of the Lord before him and our burnt offerings. Because when we come back across the Jordan to do it right at the right place, we want to be welcome when we come. We want to be welcome. We don't want your descendants to say you have no part in the Lord. Therefore, we said that it will be when they say this to us or to our generations, more vain imaginations, more zero communication, things going on in their mind. Now, when we come back, they're going to say this, and then we're going to have to sit. So we're going to build this altar. So when we come across, they can say, no, we built the altar. What a waste of time when they could have just talked. Therefore, we said that it will be when they say this to us or to our generations in time to come, that we may say, here is the replica of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between you and us. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar for burnt offerings, for grain offerings or for sacrifices besides the altar of the Lord, our God, which is before his tabernacle. Far be it for us to do that. We'd never do that. Now, Phinehas, the priest, and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of the divisions of Israel, who were with him, heard the words of the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, and it pleased them. Then Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Uh, Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord." They were never in the hand of the Lord. It was never going to happen. They just had it in their mind. God's going to wipe us out. And we see now that you're not doing treacherously with us. So you've delivered us by this explanation is what he's getting at from the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel and brought back word to them. Those guys were still sharpening their blades back there at Shiloh. You know, whoosh, here they come. You guys ready? They're still, and imagine what they've been thinking this whole time. I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to swing. What if they swing? We, you know, yeah, but they're going through all these things in their mind. It's building. So he told them all about it. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness. For it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Final scripture before we close today is Proverbs eighteen seventeen. If you'll turn there. It's very apropos for what's been going on in the news. Depending on the translation that you read it reads differently in different translations but I'll read you what the New King James says the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him in other scriptures it may say it this way it says one, one man seems right until the other man speaks his side of things basically and then you're like oh but if you only heard one side of it and you come up with all these conclusions and all these things and then you go without talking to the person. Did you hear? Did you hear? Then when the neighbor does come and examines him and gives his side of the story, then you can make a fair judgment. Then you can really see what's going on. But you've got to hear both sides of it before you come to a conclusion, before anger comes, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's probably one of the most important verses Be slow to this stuff. Get all the information first before you just jump to a conclusion. And to be honest with you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love believes all things. Until proven otherwise, love believes all things. It's so much safer when we walk that way with each other. Um, Carefully. Luke 17, and I'm I'm just going to give you a summation of it, warns about this warns about putting a a stumbling block in front of a brother or sister. And an accusation, as opposed to a question, which is what should be asked, but an accusation before the other side's been heard is a stumbling block. It can drive people away from the house of God. It can drive people away from wanting to hear more about the Word of God. And to be honest with you, As they get driven away, they may fall into the very sin that you accused them of, although they hadn't at the time of the accusation. It's just a warning to us. And the person who gets the millstone in that situation around their neck is the one that caused them to flee the house of God because of the accusation. We have to be very careful that we walk very carefully with each other. We don't want to drive people away because outside, separating themselves from the body of believers and they may dark, not darken the door of another church because they were so offended. I just can't be, the, can't be around them anymore. Now they're vulnerable out there. Now, God's got them and Jesus has them, but they're much more vulnerable and susceptible. And to be honest, if that's what they think of me, well, maybe I ought, if they're on the edge, if that's what they think of me already and there's no getting past this, I may as well be it. It's self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Got to be careful with each other loving each other, helping each other up. Remember that that's what this is for. I'm, I don't mean to be berating you. Um, I'm not. I don't know of any situations in our fellowship. They may be there. They may not be. I don't know. I'm just saying as a, as, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as someone who's trying to, we want to raise up this flock and do it right. If it hasn't crept in, great. Make sure it doesn't. And this is a warning for all of us or something that may happen in the future. If it has crept in, Repent. Get it right with that person. I made a false accusation against you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You know, um, I hope I didn't hurt your feelings. It was wrong. I didn't get both sides of the story. I only heard one side, and I began to spout off. If someone's left the church because of something you've said, go find them. Leave the altar and go find them and make it right with them. You know, And I hope that's just theoretical. I hope, there's no, I hope there's no actual examples of that, but be careful. Really be careful with each other. Um, You know, we're all in the hospital here, and we want to get fixed. We want to get better. And everybody's gown is open behind like everybody else's. You know, we're all exposed. Keep that in mind as we're helping each other out. You know, help each other up. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for this example of just bad communication all the way around. Um, Bad hearts. Um, They love you, and in the process of loving you, they thought it would be best to throw their brethren under the bus without talking to them about it first. Nobody prayed. Nobody sought your opinion, and we get into such trouble with that. God, help us to seek you first when we hear something. Um, Help us to get both sides of the story, Father. Help us to go to that person before making a judgment, a call on it. Um, Help us to be very careful with one another. Help us to operate out of love, not suspicion, not skepticism, um, even out of, of a... I don't know, a haughtiness where we just know this isn't going to end right. And we, you know, help us to walk in love and humility um, with each other and with other people that may come to our fellowship in the future, Lord, that we might not do any harm, God. um, But we make sure they feel welcome in your presence, that they wouldn't ever feel like they couldn't come to the altar, um, your altar. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, have a good rest of the week, guys.